all these other clowns that are out there that are sitting there trying to water down the faith, you know, get rid of the cross and just have the glory and just the crown, all this other stuff. That doesn't speak to somebody like Milo. Milo is a defender of the church and the faith, at least from what I've seen and experienced. But he's also his his biggest critic and his he's he knows that his cross is sitting there and he's not willing to pick it up yet. And he picks it up a little bit because that's a little bit too heavy. I'm just not ready yet. And it's like the St. Augustine moments, you know, where it's like, you know, Lord, make me chase just not yet. Welcome back to another episode of PPK. Back at it. Kind of a bittersweet episode. Last time that Meeks will be in the studio for the semester. Headed back to Stoobs, yeah, Meeks? Yeah, going back to Steubenville for the boys, especially. <laughs> How you feeling about that? I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Um, and I've been home for a very long time. <laughs> you guys don't remember. I packed for spring break and then stayed five months. So <laughs> I'm ready to, you know, move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, keep let's keep Meeks and uh, his fiance Ella and all those that are actually going back to school um in our prayers as they uh try to get back to some normalcy during this uh corona time <laughs> uh so meeks what are we doing tonight all right so you guys saw from a title why milo matters uh tim gordon chill out you know i we, we there's a lot there's a lot of inspiration because if you know milo yiannopoulos then you don't he doesn't really need um too much, I don't know, background or anything other than he's just a ball of a lot of energy. And uh, I obviously I like a lot of what Milo says, and um, I listen to him a lot, or I did before he was canceled. And I saw Tim Gordon did an episode on why Milo matters because they had a little feud or whatever. And I was like, you know what? We should talk about why Milo matters because Milo does matter, and we should definitely uh, know about him and politically and where he stands within the church. And culturally, especially, as he's literally been canceled like 395 times. <laughs> and that's why, you, if you don't know who he is, that's why because he hasn't been able to be alive on any social media for like the last three years. And, you know, really popular during 2016, 2017, when I first started getting into politics and both the right and the left hated him. Because I remember listening to Ben Shapiro and he was he hated when people try to group him and Milo together. And he no, he's far right and the left hated him because he's also far right. So he's just the furthest right of all time, I guess. And so... Yeah, so this episode's a little bit, um, you know, Tim Gordon, don't get too mad. You're not going to watch this, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, inspiration from Milo himself. And also when Tim Gordon did his episode, I was like, you know what? We should do our own Why Milo Matters because Milo matters. <laughs> so can you give a little bit, I mean, just for the listeners out there who may not be familiar with him, uh, his obviously you said that he was mostly um, kind of associated with the far right. Um, he, he also is... Uh, I, I mean, he he got he kind of started the cancel culture like it was before the cancel culture is what it yeah. is today, right? Yeah. So he's <clears throat> mostly known as a political commentator. Um, just you know how that goes. Uh, really, I think was one of the first people really advocating for free speech in a lot of places um, on college campuses, especially. Um, he is he is gay and not really shy about that. Can I remember just first seeing him and just saying like, "That is a flamboyant man." Like mm -hmm. I had no clue. I know clearly he's Catholic, which mm -hmm. why I surprised a lot of you guys if you don't know. But I remember first kind of introducing him, like I just knew of him as kind of being this guy who's just this 
crazy myth of a monster that's just you know everybody hates for some reason and is so popular and i remember just listening to a few videos and being like wow this guy's really intelligent and i found, somehow found myself where he was defending the church and the catholic church being the true church and i was like whoa what the heck <laughs> yeah. is going on here because you know off right off the bat that this guy you know he's wearing like i remember like the one that he, the ep, the video clip that i saw him doing defending the church he's wearing like sleeveless cop uniform with like aviators it's right. like okay <laughs> i guess and so um the dude's smart the dude's insanely smart he's um super educated he can probably articulate why the church is the church better than most of the people that we look to to articulate those things the teachers that we even have like he's he's a genius mm -hmm. and so it was so fascinating to me to find out that how much deeper and how smart this guy actually was past all of his little you know he likes to be controversial he i think he enjoys those kind of things i think he knows he's flamboyant he kind of adds to his character it makes milo milo that's why you don't have to say his last name it's just that's milo and um and yeah to find out how much he knew and i encourage everyone to really watch the um interview he did with patrick coffin and with uh, michael voris which were amazing and we'll kind of dive deeper into those but he's extremely complex character that's important in a lot of ways that we're gonna dive into but yeah like i was saying he's mostly known for his uh being a political commentator i think he might have a few books out there he published um he's the one that published tim gordon's the catholic republic so um he's been around in a lot of circles catholic circles political circles and um hopefully our circles one day <laughs> yeah i think for me that um a lot of what caught me was was his con his reversion i guess if you will back to the church specifically through um, pope benedict and it, you know just the intellectual uh, conversion that he had with pope benedict who's um you know one of in our time one of the the great popes that we've had just intellectually and theologically just super sound and um definitely uh defended the faith and continues to so that that part threw me off just because again it's it's in most cases, you see that as a contrast, right? Somebody who's living really against church's teaching, but feels wholeheartedly strong about the church's teaching, right? Like sides with the church, agrees with the church. Matter of fact, you know, um, he would combat people like Father James Martin, right? Um, head on, who is teaching basically, for the most part, heresy and just a, leading a flock down. You know, I mean, he did the prayer for the, the DNC, right? Um, anyway, Milo, you would see probably at, at, uh, lock horns with him, you know, over and, you know, here's one who's a cleric, cleric who claims to be advocating for, um, you know, those who, uh, are identify as gay or homosexual. And here's Milo who's saying, no, the church is absolutely right. So there's, and so you see the conflict within. And so for me, it's just, the guy is so intriguing to me because I'm just like, man, you, you, if you, if you didn't know his background you just listen to him you think he was 100 percent orthodox you know um devout probably what people will call you know a rad trad out there just a, a radical traditionalist when it came to the faith and you're like no it's milo you know so you it, it just so for me he's a very interesting character it's like i want to buy that dude dinner Milo, buy you dinner and just have a conversation on what's really going on i want to get you on true faith real talk you know or even on ppk whatever we got to do we'd love to be able to, to talk to you what do you got to say keone um, just the, the exposure that I've had to Milo is just his, one of his desire to learn 
like he he i think you know when he's on college campuses and like the influence that he has i think something that anyone can take away is that he wants to learn and he's constantly reading and like just like meeks was saying like his ability to articulate um the teachings of the church to articulate philosophy like that's something that i think all of us can learn from like he's just constantly educating himself mm-hmm. and, and and that's why he can speak to the masses because he has so much background and he's able to articulate it in a way that people can understand and he has this personality that he infuses in his um in the way he delivers it mm-hmm. right so he is flamboyant he is funny he is controversial he <laughs> is he'll roast people like that's just who he is but he will back it up with so much facts he'll back it up with so much of the church teaching and defend it to the death and I think that's something that's really cool to see. And just that that boldness, like he he was canceled before cancel culture was really a hot topic, you know. And I think, you know, that's something that makes him who he is, is that he's he's going to defend it. Whether he's struggling with a, a aspect of the church teaching or not, he's going to defend it to the death. And I think that's that's something that um, is is really, I don't know, inspiring for, you know, everyone has their own sin and their cross. But are you like willing to still put yourself out there and defend the church to the death is I think a lot of people can learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we should probably dive in first is like that conflict within Milo. That seems so important because it is so real. And you'll hear him on the Patrick Coffin show when Patrick's kind of addressing this, like Milo is civilly married to a man. And um, that man, I guess, had a kid with some other woman or whatever happened. I don't know the issue. And um, obviously they live together and whatever. And when Patrick addresses this, he understands, uh, Milo says, I don't see this as a marriage. I don't count this as a marriage. This is a civil partnership. And I would never try to make it equal to a marriage. He says, I know a man, a marriage between a man and a woman. And he says, I'm just at the point where I don't think in my life I could live without this person specifically. He says, this person specifically makes me a better person. Mm-hmm. This person specifically has showed me what love is. And Milo someone who's, had a lot of hurt in his life. I think he was mostly raised by his grandmother. Um, I believe he had some sort of abuse or a relationship with a priest is what, to my understanding, is what it is. So there's a lot of things going on there that none of us have ever experienced or will ever experience. And hopefully, uh, no one we know will have to experience that. And I think he understands like, hey, I know this answer isn't good enough, but I'm just not at that point. And me and Kevin were talking about earlier, if you read a lot of the Confession of St. Augustine, he's like, He's struggling through the same thing. Mm-hmm. I know what's good. Why can't I choose what's good? And we all go through that. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going through it right now. I do it all the time. I'm like, nice, dude. Yeah, <laughs> did it again, bro. <laughs> Sweet. And like, I'm sure that's where Milo's at. And it's like the fact that he can be so real about it and to have someone that of that stature that's able to articulate themselves that way, that is so educated, that's living this kind of almost contradiction, but to be able to be like, no, I'm putting myself out there and hey, I know. And he says, I know I have to answer for this. And then to me, that's just like, that's more real than all these other people who kind of, you know, there's a lot of Catholics who act like they don't have any issues, mm-hmm. right? I just go to confession because I made fun of, make fun of people sometimes, man. I just roast the libs, man. That's what I go to confession for. And it's like, he understands that. He says, I, I, I know it's not a good enough answer for you guys, but also he understands I don't have to answer to you guys. I have to answer to him. So I'm going to prepare myself. Like he says, I know I'm going to have to pay for that as well. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's so inspiring for two reasons. I think you see someone so maybe there are some of our Catholics who like to lean a little bit too far into the um, maybe not knowing about our stance or not really supporting our stance on on homosexuality. And so for them, they could learn to say, if this guy is living it out and saying, no, I understand it isn't, and he could articulate better than I can why it's not, uh, why we don't support it in that way. And then you have some people who maybe 
um, maybe hardcore people who aren't as who like to shut the people down too quickly and don't see the person in front of them. They just see the sin, you know what I mean? Mm. And so those people can learn like, no, this is a human being who's struggling and realize that he has this cross that he can't handle himself. And I think that's a big thing is like all of our sin, we can't handle ourselves. And the biggest thing I take away from mine was like, dude, I just want to pray for that guy. Like I, you know, I want him to get to heaven. This guy deserves to be heaven. He deserves to have a platform. He's someone who's so smart and there's no way he can do it by himself, which he's realizing. And hopefully one day he can kind of lift that up and say, I'm not trying to do this on myself anymore, you know? And so that's someone we got to pray for. But I think that's the best thing about him that we can learn so far is that conflict from within. And if we could all address it in that way and say, I, I can't do this on my own. I need prayers. I need grace. I need all this stuff. I know I'm going to have to answer for this and then move forward. That's where saints are made. You know, he's just like one he just climbs over that wall dude that dude's walking to sainthood almost yeah and i you know i will make sure that we're not like canonizing um milo in any way but i think the the respect that i have going on off what you're saying meeks is a lot of uh i'm just gonna address the catholics because there's a lot of catholics out there but you can probably uh, you know extend this out to christians or people good people whatever but catholics in particular when they have when they're struggling with the church teaching or commandment they just try to reason their way to why it's okay and milo does it like i think that's and what came to my mind mika when you're talking about it was we just had the reading of the, the the rich young man this week and he comes to jesus and he says what lord what must i do to turn to gain eternal life and jesus says what follow the commandments he says which ones and then jesus says you know honor your mother and father you know do not commit adultery do not commit murder because i've done all of those things since i was a youth what else right and jesus says what for you to to gain for you to be perfect you need to sell all you have give to the poor pick up your cross and follow me and obviously jesus doesn't will all of us all of us because there's some that i think are in their life uh experience poverty but doesn't will for us just you got to be broke to get to heaven right that's not the point the point is is there is this serious attachment to his possessions and what does a young rich man do he walks away sad and so it just like literally came to my mind as you were saying that i'm like so milo's coming to, to god to christ and saying what do I got to do? Okay, I've been doing all these things, but you need to let go of that. You need to let go of that relationship, that disordered passion that you have, and you need to come follow me. I'm not ready yet. And so at the very least, there's a encounter with the truth, and there's, there's, there's an acceptance of that truth. There's not yet an embrace of that truth, right? There's not a, there's not a willingness to sell everything you have for the pearl of great price, Right, so he's not willing to do that. So I think Milo, that's a part that I think is, man, there's conflict, but he names it. He's, he knows it. He names it. He doesn't run from it. While everybody else will do what? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know what to tell him. You know, he's a nice guy. I, I got to go along to get along. And all these other clowns that are out there that are sitting there trying to water down the faith, you know, get rid of the cross and just have the glory and just the crown, all this other stuff, that doesn't speak to somebody like Milo. Milo is a defender of the church and the faith, at least from what I've seen and experienced. But he's also his his biggest critic, and his he's he knows that his cross is sitting there, and he's not willing to pick it up yet. And he picks it up a little bit because that's a little bit too heavy. I'm just not ready yet. And it's like the Saint Augustine moments, you know, where it's like, you know, Lord, make me chase, just not yet. You know, that's a Saint Augustine prayer for sure. So it's just that's the part where I look at it like, yeah, we, you know, why is he, why is Milo important in that sense? Is because you can learn from that. How many of us just reason and rationalize away 
our sin because we don't want to change. We don't want any behavioral modification. We don't want to do anything worth, um, uh, you know, uh, sanctity or salvation or virtue. No, we just want the easy pass. We want the participation trophy. We just want to be like, bro, don't judge me. What does it matter to you? Whereas Milo's going, no. I mean, look at all the conflict he has even with, with the current papacy, right? So he's clashing with even the, 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 the hierarchy where, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. It's just an interesting guy because he understands um, where we stand as a church, doctrinally, dogmatically, and how that fits into his life or doesn't. Yeah, just kind of going off what you're saying, Pops, like the fact that everyone can learn from Milo, just kind of going off of our last episode mm. of like, you know, who's going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And just thinking of that reading that you talked about, there's a place um, for everyone to fit themselves in that story just throughout scripture. But just thinking of this one in relation to Milo in that there's some sort of disordered attachment that we all tend to fall to. We all have our own particular vice that we're prone to. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all put ourselves one in the shoes of Milo, but in the shoe of that rich young man. And and the fact that, you know, a lot of us are really good at certain things. We're see we're maybe we're super patient or we are naturally more selfless, but or whatever our, our, um, our virtue naturally are, but there's also those vices that we tend to be if we're, we're hot headed or we're prideful or we fall into lust easily, whatever that is that we have that vice and the Lord calls that one out. And he says, I understand what you're doing, but like, if you want to be perfect as I'm perfect, if you want to, you know, get to heaven, there's that cross I want you to follow. And I think it, what it is, is that it's that trust in God and that I am, I am the fullness of everything that you're seeking will you trust me to provide that for you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the call that I think Milo is able to put on the platform that is so just unapologetic and so real and vulnerable that every Catholic can look at that and be and, and be and reflect in their own life. Like, okay, what is my cross that, I, that the Lord is asking me to let go of and to put trust in him? Whether Milo's there or not, we're all, we all can do, face that too every single day. And I think that's something that's so cool about him is that in the platform that he has, the influence that he has, he's still able to say, you know what, this is where I'm at. I know it's not going to be good enough for people, but this is where I'm at. And he'll still to the death defend the church teaching mm-hmm. instead of reasoning. Like you said, it's so easy. I think us as creatures, like that cognitive dissonance, we're so easily, I guess, able to reason our way out, to make excuses, to justify our actions. Cause it's hard to make that choice, but for him to still defend it and just be like, just like St. Augustine, like, this is what I'm at. You know, I do the things I don't want to do. And I like the things I know I shouldn't like. And, you know, so that struggle is just so real. And just putting yourself in the shoes of the rich young man, like everyone listening can really reflect on what is it that the Lord is asking you to let go in order to get to heaven, mm. you know? And that's a cross that we all have to bear in our own particular way. And the Lord's asking, there's that one thing that you're holding on to that's blocking me from giving you the grace that you need. Well, you let that go so I can feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how easy it is to kind of point out that about Milo, right? Like, oh, dude, you're living out, you're living out a gay lifestyle. What does this guy have to say? And then also the other side of like someone who maybe sees Milo as a person and want to want to say, well, what is this church teaching, anyways? Mm-hmm. Like, what has he done? What? How is he harming anybody? Yeah. You know, he, he he really feels this love from somebody. Look at what this guy's been through. You know, and there's two ways that you can both learn. That's two sides saying. And, and that's, I think that's the approach of saying, no, even if Milo didn't say it as Catholics, we true love is saying, Milo, 
you can do something you can do it you can take up this cross for yeah. anybody and this is a, this is not just about Milo. this is bigger but anybody you're not going to say no no you know what that's not right don't listen to that don't listen to that church teaching for us as people who are you know brothers in the church and brothers and sisters in the church it's about saying like no dude you can do this bro like you don't you're not supposed to do it on your own you're supposed to lean on christ you're supposed to lean on the community mm. and stuff like that and you're not supposed to you know just kind of not supposed to point at someone and say oh yeah well look at this guy let's dismiss him because of this because like dude if if you have an attraction to you know if you had something like that you know much i don't know if i'd be able to sit there and still defend the church you know i don't know where i would be with that mm -hmm. so there's two ways of going about it obviously it's like taking that approach and meeting someone they are and seeing them as a person but also saying like dude but there is there is more than this you know yeah i think you can and the thing is with milo is you can work with that though you can work so in when you admit the brokenness and you you admit that conflict you can work with that because there's still a desire there, right? There's he he has the truth, and he's it, it's just on the table, and he's not ready to pick it up. And it's the other ones that are just completely trying to again dismiss it. And I think that's the thing with somebody like Milo. And you know, for those of you who are you know who've been listening, who maybe don't have a, an idea of even like what 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 are we talking about? Like, what is our issue with homosexuality? Whatever that is, is you know we as Catholics, knowing that we were made in the image and likeness of God, we don't um relegate you down or minimize you down to your sexual orientation or a body part or some addiction or vice that you have you're not you know it's not alcoholics anonymous you know hi my name is john and i'm an alcoholic that's not who you are <laughs> you know what i mean that may be something you're struggling with that's true but no actually who you are is a son or daughter of the most high god right designed for greatness called to something so far beyond your um, your wildest dream, your wildest vision, but that's going to be only possible when you allow God to work in, through, and with you. And so you see somebody like a Milo, just going back to your point, Keone, on cognitive dissonance, that what do most people do? So when there is a conflict between my thought about a specific behavior, right, what typically, and that behavior is being carried out by everybody around me, the culture is, you know, blaring it. So what what typically changes the thought about the behavior or the behavior? No, it's a thought about behavior. It's easier to, to change because it's internal. But what's Milo saying? Milo's saying, no, there's a, a, a dissonance. There's a conflict. I know the truth. I know the church teaching. I believe in the church teaching, but I'm not ready to change the behavior, but I still haven't changed my thoughts about the behavior. I'm just like in this place of conflict, right? It's on him. You see it. And maybe it manifests itself out probably in the behavior that he, that he has, but also in these other different ways, right? Like the, going through what we know of him to have gone through, especially when it comes to abuse or these disordered relationships, that's traumatizing, right? There's a lot of, uh, there's spiritual damage that's done there. There's mental, there's emotional. Every aspect of the human person is, is, uh, you know, compromised at that point so there's a lot of healing so it, you know for me it's like it's it, it, you know when we talked about this topic it was just like oh that's an easy one because i look at him and say man i just want to sit there and help a brother like that you know what i mean because that's a person and i think today's reading the gospel reading was today um uh when jesus is talking about the parable of the the workers right so the ones come out they agree to daily wage dude starts at 8 a.m and then they you know the comes out every hour and, and hires and then the last guy who comes out for, for the last hour um you know works just that hour and then what happens the the landlord uh you know pays the work workers and he starts with the, the you know the last and the first gives that first that last one the same daily wage and then the first ones are like yeah man we're gonna get some more money bro we've been here since eight in the morning right and it's just like no you get the same thing and they got pissed right and they're like why are you are you envy because i'm generous 
Did you not agree to the daily wage? And so when I think about it in the context of Milo, again, gospel message is speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, you know, in normal cases, I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm gonna, I'd kind of be that dude that'd be fired up. Like, you know, we we bore the hot sun. We did all this labor. And even if we agreed to it, I just saw you give that dude who only worked for an hour the same wage as me. But think about that in the case of Milo. If that soul gets saved at the at the last hour, praise be to Jesus Christ. Right. Same thing with our family and friends out there. All of you that may be listening, that may be struggling. If we can turn, if we have that metanoia moment, that turning away from sin and changing your life, regardless of whether it's for, I mean, we would rather have you do it earlier. Why? Because then you get to enjoy the beauty of God's love and providence in your life longer. Right. If I could have came to the faith, not in my young adulthood, but in my in my life as you guys, life would be so much better because I would have realized God's graces and realized his blessings and been able to affect an impact, right? But God can use that. So God can use even Milo in this sense um, if he's open to that truth and open to that grace. Yeah, I was just wanting to switch gears real quick yeah. to um, more of the free speech stuff because as I said before, he was one of the first kind of major advocates for it on college <coughs> campuses where, um, you know, Ben Shapiro does a lot. And I mean, literally everyone now, if you're you're a conservative speaker, you're a Christian speaker, Dinesha Souza or, um, you know, Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh are two Catholics. They do the same thing, this whole kind of thing. And and one of the things when I was listening to the Patrick Coffin um, interview with, with Milo, one of the things that stood out to me that I hadn't, that I agreed with, but I didn't put it in that particular wording was people like Dave Rubin who are kind of obsessed with just free speech and that, that's kind of their biggest goal in life which just it's just freedom it's libertarian this kind of aspect of like we just need free speech and he was saying like that doesn't go anywhere because you get the free speech aspect and then what do you do with it which is exactly what you know i tried to argue before when we were talking about Locke and marx is Locke didn't care about anything but the preservation of his own property so then when there was disparities and inequalities in it he had nothing to account for Mm-hmm. And so Mark just said, well, you don't care about, you didn't care about virtue. You didn't care about all these other things. Just stay away. I just want my freedom. So then when you have inequalities and stuff like that and virtue's thrown out the window, cause it doesn't really apply to me. I'm just trying to get my freedom, right? As long as the government stays out of my business and then you have all these inequalities, well then there's nothing about virtue. It's just, Hey, I see you have more than this guy. There must be something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if hey, this guy was diligent. He was doing what he needed to do, all this kind of stuff. So it's like the same thing in free speech. You're just fighting. You're not fighting for you're not fighting for virtue. You're not fighting for some of these other things that that a free market or a republic depends on, which is the virtue of each citizen. You're just fighting for it. Leave me alone as much as possible. Like, hey, we just all do our thing. And that's what Milo's been in the scene saying, if we just keep fighting for free speech and that's our biggest thing, like where does that take us though? And that's something I'm worried about too is like people that claim to be libertarian and just want the government to leave us alone is like, that. Does, that's that's what got us here. It's because we lost a virtue and our only in America became land of the make the sure the government leaves us alone. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. all it became because we didn't have a, we didn't have the morals anymore. We didn't have the virtue. It was just about getting your own pocket. Right. So then when the capitalists start not worrying about virtue, when they're just using sweatshops, when Nike's just using sweatshops and they're not caring about are these people actually given dignity that they're, of you know, uh, are we paying them what they should be? Are these people actually in conditions that are workable that we would put our kids in? Mm. Hell no, they're not. Mm-hmm. So they're not worried about that. So then what happens? They abuse the system. And then what do people like Marx and what do these socialists see? You guys are abusing the system. This is exactly what capitalism is, right? That's why Marx keyed the term capitalism because we don't have that. We don't have that emphasis on virtue. We lose it and everything's just about leave me alone, government. Don't matter. I'm getting my, I'm flipping my money. I'm flipping my profit. Mm. And I guess what? It's cheaper for you guys because I make it out there. 
But then what do we have? Are we focused on getting the profit or are we focused on virtue? So it's like there's got to be that balance of that's why God gave us free will so that we could be dependent on virtue, not so he can make us do what we want. Or You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. That's the whole point of having the free will part or the free market part is because like it's dependent on our virtue and life so much more filling when we focus on the virtue. Right. And so that's what he was saying with free speech is like, dude, so what if you keep fighting for free speech? What do we do after that? If we're not focused on the right things, if we're not focused on building morality, then it's like, all right, well, we could say whatever you want, but then it's like, what does that matter if it, you know if it's mm-hmm. at the end of the day we're saying things that they see as hateful well then what then what if you try so it's like this whole kind of thing that's just like comes in circle and circles because you're not focusing on the right thing which is a virtue morality and the church being mm-hmm. at the center mm-hmm. yeah like i think it's just that just reminds me of the idea of like how the devil likes to distort and he can take things that are inherently good as a means to bring us away from god like I was listening to Father Chad Ribbinger and, you know, he'll talk about the things that we do that are good. If it's prayer, if it's fasting, if it's sacrifice, if it's, you know, um, charity, anything like that. But if we don't do it at the end to do the will of God and to glorify him, then the devil can easily manipulate it to pride or to envy, whatever it is. He can make, he can create a vice in that because he knows that some people actually desire to do good, but he wants to distort it right yeah. and so i think that's what came to mind when i think of these conservatives or libertarians that are like you know just let me do what i want just back off government well the church when you take god out of it it, it starts to distort it and it leaves it to nothing because now i have free speech what am i what am i even speaking is it virtue it's probably not you know and just the idea that what the church teaches as far as freedom is not the ability to, or the freedom to do what you want but to do what you ought to do yeah. freedom to choose freedom, to do what you ought to do the yeah. freedom to do what you ought to do and that's true freedoms is, is choosing virtue but when we take out virtue now they're just doing what you want to do because mm-hmm. there is no higher calling you know we talked about this in the belief in god episode like you're called to something greater so yes we should have it is your right to speak freely but you're speaking freely for the glorification of god to spread the gospel to evangelize to be a light there's so much more than just now i can say what i want you know yeah it actually, you know, it's funny listening to you both talk about it. It Rather than being a focus on virtue, it becomes virtue signaling. You're pointing to things um, rather than actually living it out. Virtue, by its definition, would be a firm disposition to do the good, right? Justice, re- truly defined, is what giving the person what is due, right? And ultimately, it starts with God, giving God what is due to God, which is right worship. And so we've talked about this before, where, where if you carve the God piece out, that'll just be filled up. It'll, something will fill it. Right? And that'll typically be something that is self-serving. So when we take God out, we turn in on ourselves. So, you know, that's great. I, I'm, you know, I think we were, if people couldn't tell, right, we, we don't believe in big government, right? We, we believe in um, capital, but we believe in uh, responsible stewardship, right? Because we're, we're the stewards of the gifts that God gives us. And so the, the, for a, a community to flourish, it needs to be based on virtue, on values, right, on a moral system, right, and things that are uh, of the common good, right. So things that we, I mean, that's why the you know we think about natural law. Why do we have an issue with things like abortion? Well, because the first the first premise of natural law is do good, avoid evil. Yeah, don't die, right. That's probably the good thing. Is so so when we're murdering our own children, that's a not a good thing. Call it whatever you want as far as whatever niceties you want to put around it, that's not a good thing for society. Because when, when once we can murder our own babies, everything else is free. It's free reign, mm-hmm. right? So what does it matter? You can say whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter. I'll just kill you, 
right? Because now that's what free free speech in today's world is. If you disagree with me, then I'm just going to beat you or murder you or kill you, right? Until I I win, right? The strong strongest survives, right? Now it's like the, you know only the strong will survive at that point. Is that really what we want to live in? Right? That you know free speech would be still respecting the dignity of the other person, but I think you're right that we've lost a sense of really cultivating virtue. We've been saying that a lot on this show is because that's what we're trying to do is the battle starts from within, right? Where the, the whole tagline for us is right changing the culture from within. If we don't change what's in here, what makes you think you're going to change minds, right? You don't change hearts, you don't change minds, that kind of thing. So it's just like we have to, to um, move beyond just the freedom of speech portion, but really cultivating virtues in, in a society that actually builds things up, right? And takes care of one another. I don't disagree with that, yeah. but there's a way to do that. And like, just bring it full circle quick in my last little spiel. It's like that, that way of, I guess, that philosophy of, focusing on the freedom so much and focusing on free speech and the libertarian philosophy is like the same thing that we were saying with Milo and that, or anyone that, that has a cross really. I mean, anyone that's addicted to anything or anyone that's living out any kind of lifestyle is you're not giving, you're not telling them, no, 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 Milo, we want to give you the freedom to live out how you want to live. No, Milo, we want to give you the freedom to say, I don't need that. That's a part of me. That's not, that's not right. That's not, that's not virtuous. That's not in line with God. I, I got the freedom to not live that. And as a community, help someone do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point when you're giving people freedom, like just in the way that we don't want to say, no, 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 Milo, you live how you want to live. Just like you don't do that with an entire society or an entire government or entire political philosophy. You don't want to say, let's build around doing what we want to do. As long as we don't step on each other's toes. Yeah. Cause same ultimately you will. Thing. Yeah. You'll step on each other's toes. So the way that you, <laughs> You know, it's like the, this kind of same idea that like, no, we have to point each other towards free speech is extremely important and it needs to be fought for. But at the same time, if that's what the the only conservative values we have, if that's where the traditionalists lie, that the biggest thing they have to fight for is just free speech, then I think we're just going to get in a circle. It's exactly what happened, right? Started out with virtue, loss of virtue, got to communism and dark things and evil takes over and then we say, no, 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 well, that was a little too far. So let's just go back to the whole freedom thing we had before and then not you know, still just kind of shy away from virtue. And then we just keep doing this cycle repeating because mm-hmm. no one focuses on real issues. We just keep going on. Well, that didn't really work out as much as we want to. So let's just go back to not stepping on each other's toes. And then this whole kind of cycle. So it's like, we got to have that same direct philosophy and approach with all those things. Like exactly how we approach the center as we approach, you know, the society. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to close for me and something that I've been making more of uh, a part of my prayer life and my intention throughout the day is any decision that you're making is the end to glorify God and to do his will. I think there's so many times where like, you know, if we're trying to fast, we're trying to read scripture, we're trying to grow our life, right? You know, I'm not going to do this today or I'm going to work a little harder. That's great. But what is your end? And I think it's important for us to truly reflect on that. And I think that's what Milo brings up is like, these are great freedoms, but what is the end? If the end isn't to promote virtue, if it isn't to defend and protect the church, and to glorify God ultimately, then that end isn't sufficient. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna end it's gonna ultimately end to distorted beliefs in a distorted society. So I think just taking that internally, you know, the decisions that we're making every day, the actions that we choose to take, just reflect on Lord, help me do this for your glory, for your will, not for any personal gain, not for any pride, but to kind of really make that an internal um reflecting reflecting moment and and how we can really start to orient ourselves upward 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would just say in closing, you know, uh, the reason why Milo matters is I think is it it's a it's uh, it's a cause to pause, right, and really kind of reevaluate our stance on certain things and look at our life and, um, you know, what what are the things that are keeping us from truly being what God has called us to be? You know, I think about uh, you know because we talked about of course politics and government and law and, and canon law is actually what uh, the the what laws, if you will, that govern the church, the Catholic church in particular. And the last law into the canon law is all for the glory of God, all for the salvation of souls. So everything is oriented towards that. So if it doesn't, in the end, bring me closer to God, if it doesn't make me a better person, a better child of God, if it doesn't make those around me better, if it doesn't edify those that I encounter, if it doesn't bring glory to the name of God, and if it doesn't save a soul, then it then why do it? Right? And I think that's what we're trying to really wake all of you up uh, to is, you know, sleep on that, reflect on that, and decide where you stand. Meeks. Yeah, and I uh, like, comment, and subscribe, you know? That's all you got to do, man. Just a little, a little gift before I go to, you know? Just a little <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe. You know, hopefully we get Milo to watch this. And if you do, we love you, bro. You know, praying for you. And, uh, yeah, follow us on Priest Property on Instagram. And, you know, we just thank you all for joining us again and for hearing us out, listening to our hearts. Uh, keep us in prayer. Definitely keep Miko and his fiance Ella in prayer and all those that will be headed back to school. Um, we just pray that you uh, benefit from this podcast. We ask that you like, comment, subscribe, share with everybody you know. And until the next episode, get holy or die trying. <laughs>